In today's episode, we're talking about giving the customer a seat at the senior leadership table. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have guided them to success throughout their career? And then we apply all those insights to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, today, I am really excited for this episode because we are sitting down with a senior leader at an MLS club who is in a new role that has never existed before within the league. And it's a role that I've never heard of before in a sports team in any league. And that is, we are sitting down with Sean McIntosh, the chief fan officer for Charlotte FC. A little bit about his background, because Sean is not just a super fan for Charlotte FC. He really has a background as a senior leader in sports and entertainment. So he's coming at this role with a unique approach. Before his role as chief fan officer, he was the chief revenue officer for the Norfolk Admirals. Before that, he was the director of ticket sales and service for the Las Vegas Aces. And before that, he worked at Houston Dynamo as their director of ticket sales, senior manager of inside sales. So he understands at a really, really inherent level how major league soccer clubs and how professional sports organizations and sports and entertainment organizations drive revenue. And ultimately, we can't have nice things without fans. Fans pay for everything. And he understands that, but he understands the intricacies of how the process works, how things get done within sports organizations. And he's bringing the fans voice into all of that. Uh, ultimately, in his role, he's elevating the voice of the fan and giving them a seat at the senior leadership table. So that when decisions are being made at the highest level, the fan has a voice. It's a really unique concept that they're experimenting with at Charlotte FC. So we wanted to sit down with Sean and learn all about how things work at their organization. Now, quick background, a couple terms that Sean's going to use. He's going to use the word supporter a lot. That's not a normal fan. A supporter is kind of a super fan that tends to be really organized. So just something for you to keep in mind before we get into it. One more thing before we jump in. Sean has only been in this role for about a month. So some of the things we talk about, he can't really get into because he might not have experienced it yet or because the club is keeping it close to the vest. Uh, but with that said, let's jump into this episode. Really excited for you guys to learn from my friend, Sean McIntosh. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Thank you, Katie, for having me on. So uh, for everybody, we are really excited to get into this episode with Charlotte FC's new chief fan officer. Why don't we start there? Sean, what the heck is a chief fan officer? Talk to us about some of your responsibilities with the club now. Yeah, the million dollar question. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's exciting because it is such a, a new creative position. So uh, the best way I, I can frame it is that my role here is to act as as two pieces. One is to be that ear, first of all. So making sure that I, I'm above anything, listening to what fans are saying, what they're talking about, and then to act as that voice inside of the front office. So my job to be really clear is, is not, um, I'm not a cheerleader, I'm not a paid fan of the club, 
my job is to make sure that in every decision that's being made um, across all departments that, that I'm making sure uh, to push forward what the fans are saying and, and that their, their, their interests are, are, are upheld and, and making sure that you know, as a club, we always keep that top of mind. So that's really, you know, amongst other things, that's the, the major focus of my role. I, I, maybe I didn't want to get this nitty gritty this fast, but we're going to do it. So, you know, on that note about being the voice for the fans, you, you had a big letter that you wrote to the fans explaining your role and kind of your promise to them. And the promise was that the voice is going to be heard far beyond Bank of America Stadium. And talk to us about how specifically you're bringing their voice to the table with senior leaders. Like, what are the yeah. actual strategies and tactics for doing that? Yes. So, so first, it, it's it's communicating back and forth with with our supporters and our fans, and, and that happens. Um, that's not a that's not a monthly thing. That's not a um, Q and A session. That's not uh, me. You know, occasionally writing to the fans and taking submissions. You know, those things happen, but it's honestly like an every minute thing. I mean, I, I'm literally answering. DMs on Twitter at like 1130 uh, PM. Um, and, and so I'm having those conversations. I'm listening. I've got phone calls. We have meetings and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a pulse for what they're saying, things that they like, things that they may want us to do better ideas, suggestions, you know, and, and when you don't see me on podcasts or uh, on TV or media or at events, meeting our fans, I'm behind the scenes. Uh, I'm working a, a a normal front office job in, in which, you know, I'm in meetings with marketing, sales, analytics, um, you name it across the board. And, and I'm in there with our executives um, talking about strategy and, and how we're going to launch this and making sure, you know, that, that what I hear, um, because we all know fans are important. Like clearly this isn't, you know, th this isn't as if Charlotte FC understands that, that fans are important and nobody else does. It's just that, you know, while things like um, surveys and collecting data and understanding, you know, fan, what fans want, what they're saying, all that's important. And, and you've got to do those, those traditional data capture uh, measures. But for us, like fans are living, they're breathing, they're changing their mind, they're, they're speaking on things, you know, every moment of every day. And so my job is to, to make sure that's front and center and none of it gets lost because it's really easy to live in your silo and, and whether you're in, in sales or marketing, just to think exactly in your narrow window. It's not that you don't think fans are important. It's just that you, you tend to put your head down and, and think of your goals. And so my job is to make sure that in meetings, you know, during campaigns and strategy conversations, that that is never lost on the club. And I think that that's a huge testament you know, to this leadership, to this ownership, um, to see that, understand it, and understand the value and importance of, of what fans are saying every single day, not just when you know, something goes wrong, not just when it's convenient, um, that it's in the DNA of this club. I love it. Um, so I, I don't want to go this nitty gritty this early, so we're going to take it back a little bit high level. <laughs> but I, I want to talk about meeting structure. We'll talk about that, like exactly what kind of meetings you set up, difference between you owning it versus the entire club said owning it we'll talk about that in a little bit but first i want to talk about you know how did we get here how did it get to the point where nick and the team at charlotte fc said we need a chief fan officer again it's not that they understand it and it's and nobody else understands it 
But what what was it about your background that made them say we want to go with you? And what was it about them carving out this position specifically? What drove them to do that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't speak on on um, you know the the complete thought process when it came to creating this position because I I wasn't here. You know what I know For is sure. that well, Nick um, pretty early on um, when he was brought on as as president. You know, he had this vision for this role. Uh, you know, something I, I can speak on as far as the club is this club is always bold, ambitious, creative, wants to push boundaries, wants to do things a little bit different. You know, and, and this is one of many examples um, of that. And so, you know, as, as far as my qualifications, um, because they, they had hundreds and hundreds of applications spanning from from a wide variety of candidates you know whether they were influencers whether they were sales folks whether they were marketing folks inside sports industry outside sports industry um, so for me in particular um, what, what I think makes me a great candidate for this is is both my my experience in this industry you know 12 13 years in the pro sports world working on the front office on the on the on both the revenue side experience on the operations side you know, my most recent role was overseeing a professional franchise in minor league hockey, um, influencing every area of the business, whether it was sponsorship, ticket sales, marketing, community relations, communications. You know, so for, for me, I had that business background that I can speak to each area because this position is working with everybody. So, um, and, you know, and then the other piece is that I've, I've, I'm a passionate soccer fan. You know, I, I grew up in Italy. I grew up playing the sport. It's it's part of who I am and and how I identify um, as as a as a human being and my culture. And so, you know, that combo I, I think aligned pretty well for this role because I understand you know soccer culture. I understand um, the nuances of the game and the relationship between fans and club. You know, but then I have I bring that piece of of the business too. I think that piece is going to be one of the key things that a lot of people miss if they try to replicate this role is you got to hire somebody. If you're going to go work with the ticket office, you better understand what, how a ticket office operates, what their KPIs are and how they make money. Because if you're just bringing the voice of the band, they're going to overwhelm you with all their systems and processes yeah. and you're going to default to them. But I think because yeah. you have that experience, it makes you, it's, it's totally different than just being a liaison between the fan and the team. That is not what you are is what I'm getting from this conversation. Yeah. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm not a paid fan. And so I think right, that's right. the important piece is, you know, uh, I, I bring that business and, and not just business, but sports business experience. So um, for me, I, I've been at particularly because most of my roles have been um, on the fan side, on, on ticket sales side where I've, you know, I'm accustomed to having uh, both difficult conversations, you know, with fans and then, um, conversations about how do we grow our fan base and what are they saying and hearing. And so I think that experience lends itself pretty well for, for this type of position. But no, then it's just as important to have somebody that also understands the game because I think, um, you know, in, in just past experiences, when, when you have folks that maybe are just great business minds but don't necessarily understand because sports business is different. Like, you know, the, the, our product is is – is evolving. It changes. Um, our consumers live and breathe, and there's this dynamic and this interesting woven relationship. It's not just a consumed product. So I, I think sometimes it can be hard to understand. And if you don't have somebody um, that understands that, 
it's that balance of understanding the business and you know that sacredness of being a fan. We we always talk about it here is like we kind of use the analogy of what happens on the on the pitch or on the field or on the court is your product. But if Apple had a as inconsistent a product as we sometimes do on the field, nobody would ever buy that phone. Yeah. So we we've got to somehow do a lot extra to make sure that hey, even when our product is bad, we're still creating emotional connections with our fans to have them trump what's the rational decision of watching it at home or not watching it at all to somehow get them back in the in the venue. Um, what Sean, I, I want to talk a little bit about how you got here in the interview process. I, I've heard you talk about this a little bit before, but for our listeners that haven't, it seemed like the interview process that you went with, went through to get this role was really unique because you didn't just interview with people inside the organization. Talk about some of the different groups that they put you through to interview with. Yeah, and, and, and you know the interview process to me spoke a lot about this role, but again, going back to this club and, and and for me, doing things, you know, the quote-unquote right way, and and um, separating themselves from what other teams do, and, and certainly different from any experience that I've had from an interview standpoint. But you know, I I of course spoke with folks from different departments internally, but then you know spoke with some of our largest partners and making sure that um, my values, what I was going to bring to the table, aligned, um, and then the opportunity to speak with some of our, our lead supporters, folks that um, run and oversee some of our, our biggest supporter groups. And so for me, again, like those are the folks that I'm gonna be working so closely between. And I, I say, you know, a lot of times it, it, it almost seems as if I'm, I may have two bosses, right? I've got the, the fans, our, our, our fans, our supporters, our partners, you know, and then I've got my my front office boss, you know, and it's that um, liaison between both and managing both relationships. And so, you know, that the club understood that and wanted to make sure to include them on that process was really unique. Um, you know, a lot of teams say, again, they say they care about fans or their partners, mm-hmm. but really bringing them in on that process you know, takes it a step further. Um, so I had never been a part of an interview process like that. Well, I know you've talked with some of them after the fact, and, and you've been in this role now for about a month. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. What, what has been some of their reaction? Because I got to I, I got to imagine if, if in that role, once I got the job, first question I'd ask them, I'd go back and be like, dude, what was it like interviewing me? Like, what, what was that? What was that process like? What was so in those post conversations? Have they been grateful for that opportunity to get involved in it? What were their feelings on the other side uh, of the coin? Yeah, no, grateful for sure. I, I think um, you know they all understood how unique uh, of an opportunity that was, and, and that um, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, and, and I've even reiterated that because they've heard me tell this story. Like that, that just doesn't happen. And, and I think they understood that from the start. So, um, and and each moment, especially in, in this situation where we are building a franchise, everything for us is is going to be a first time. And so um, that made it even extra special for them to be included um, on, on bringing, you know, not only this club's first time chief fan officer, but the first, you know, of its kind period. So, um, yeah, they, they were certainly great, grateful for that. Um, so what are some of their expectations? I mean, I, I think one of the challenges, if I'm a team considering this, 
one of the challenges I would say is, well, we don't want to set expectations too high amongst our fans or amongst our corporate partners. We don't want to set those that bar too high for their expectations. So what are their expectations with your role existing and knowing that they've got a go-to gear that they can go to whenever? Yeah, well, first I'll say as, as a club, I, I think, um, you know, we, we, we've been accustomed to setting expectations pretty high uh, from the bat. So I don't think we shy away from lofty expectations, but you know, I, I've, I've, I've made sure to, to set some expectations you know, with our supporters and our fans. Um, you know, first, first off, my, my job isn't just to appease them. So it isn't, hey, you, know, you ask for something and you're gonna get it. I've been pretty clear and, and they understand that, that um, you know, a great idea um, may not always be implemented. Um, you know, for, for me, and a lot of times, just as any person would, they just want to be heard uh, most of the time. And, and my, my promise was that I was going to be there to listen. And so I try to respond and engage to um, every single message. Uh, so, you know, that, that being my promise that I was going to listen to them and, and they may not always get what they want, but, but being able to have that perspective in the moment um, is really important for me. So when we make decisions, when we launch things, I am listening, I am hearing it, and I'm bringing that back. But they know that, that we may not always make the changes that they want to see in the moment. Um, but a big part of it, too, is, is when I'm able to have dialogue with them, I'm, I'm always going to help bring them in as far as understanding why we're making certain decisions. Mm -hmm. So they understand when we as a club do something that, that maybe initially um, they don't necessarily get, they can start to understand why we do things. That makes total sense. Um, let's talk about your vision for what you actually want to accomplish in the role. One of the exercises that we do and we're working with organizations around kind of purpose and where do we want to go and vision is an exercise called kind of a destination postcard. So if you were kind of making, writing a postcard to yourself from the future, right? And you're saying, hey, this is the vision of where we want to be going forward. What's your vision for what you want to accomplish? And is it maybe about the supporters, how they view the organization? I'll leave it open-ended for you, but what's your vision for what you want to accomplish in the role? Yeah, no, that's, that's such a good question. And, and the interesting part about this role, and I've said, is that um, it, it's one that because it's, it's so unique, um, you know, David, if I was a CRO, like I would know exactly like, Hey, 100%. here are my KPIs. Here's what I'm doing every single day. I've done it. I know what it is. Um, great. Here, here's that pathway. Um, this position is, is, is so unique, um, where, where it's both thrilling because of that opportunity to kind of guide it, you know, the, whoever was going to be in this role, it was going to be different. Um, whether it was myself or anybody else, it was going to be based on that person's experience, um, who they were, their attitude, personality. Um, and, and part of that's scary because it's, again, it's not being able to fall back on the guidelines of, I know exactly, you know, as, a, as a VP of ticket sales, I know exactly what we're supposed to be doing day in and day out. So uh, for me, I mean, when I think of, of, of big picture, um, where we want to ultimately be, I mean, one is, is the supporter relationship. You know, I want to make sure that because it, it is so nuanced around the world and, and there are, um, you know, there are instances uh, even around our league where the relationship between supporters and front office can, can oftentimes be fractured and, and, and it leads to 
um, nothing positive. Uh, it's 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 rarely positive for the supporters. You know, where where, where some supporters may may be seeing um, declines both in attendance and impact. You know, and it's certainly not helpful for the club. And so for me, probably priority number one is making sure that there's never that fracture. That even when we may come to a head and we may not agree on something, that we always have that open lines of communication. But but that all stems from you know your buzzword, your authentic relationship. It's it's literally like understanding and getting to know these people on a on a human level. Um, and so that's something that I'm really really keyed in on. Just making sure we're always talking. Um, so so that's one. And then certainly um, from a match day experience. So when you walk into our building, it's it's special, you know, it's, it's unique. It's a little bit different, um, certainly driven by the fans, but you know, my push to, to our supporters is not necessarily living in a box, an, an MLS box, you know, and not seeing necessarily, um, what other teams are doing in our league, but pushing themselves outside of those boundaries and finding ways to create a really, really unique game experience so that when anybody, whether they're a soccer fan or not comes into our matches, it's it's unique and special. Can you give us an example of what that means around like unique and special specifically? I mean, I, again, I know you've only been there for a month, and so you're still in this heavy data collection mode. You always will be a little bit of yeah. that. Um, but can you give us an example of like some of the things that have come out of these conversations that you would look at it and say, wow, that's unique and special to our fan base? Yeah, so, um, I mean, things like uh, chants, uh, you know, for instance, there, there are a lot of chants uh, around the league that are, that are pretty cut and paste. Uh, yep. Hey, you, you, you hear that tune, you hear that jingle, you hear that song, every team uses it, they may just change one word, um, you know, it, so things like that. Um, TIFOs is one, like, hey, we don't have to just do your traditional MLS pull-up banner TIFO, like let's look at choreography around the world. How do they incorporate stunt cards? How do they incorporate different elements um, that maybe goes above and beyond just what you see um, from a lot of teams? And there are a couple MLS teams that, that do a really, really good job of, of thinking outside of the box. Um, soccer is so unique because it is so fan-driven, but, but that doesn't mean we can't look to... Um, really great NHL and, and, and NBA teams for things that uh, connect and land well um, in terms of fans. And now how do we find a way to incorporate our supporters so that they're still involved and that it's, again, a little bit of a different experience. Um, so again, I, I'm pushing them to think and look at not just soccer, not just MLS, but finding things that, that teams do really well because um, there's some really, really great experiences. Like when I've gone to, to different NHL teams that I've seen that give me that, names, that I, give me names, like the Vegas golden Knights, okay. you know, some of the stuff that they do, um, you know, they lean into to who they are. They lean into that city, um, and, and they're unapologetic about it and they're going to lean into it. And they really create this, this incredible show, you know, that, um, in its entirety, probably doesn't work for us. But the concept for me, um, what I love about uh, what Vegas does, it's, it's almost as if they have this mindset of, of every game is, is almost like an inaugural match for them. It's, mm. They bring it. They, hey, look, we may have uh, 5,000 tourists in the building. 
who have all heard about how incredible our game atmosphere is. Um, doesn't matter that they're in the fifth season and it's the 10th regular season game. They want to live up to that. And so I have never been disappointed when I've been out to one of their games. I've always left as if it was something special, even when maybe it wasn't. And so for me, I take that mindset, like we want to do something incredible for our inaugural match, but I, but I also need to make sure that from match one to two, there isn't this extreme drop-off where people yeah. leave our first game and think it's it was badass, it was incredible. They tell their friends, their friends come for game two, and it was, you know, mediocre or cookie cutter. So, um, you know, I'm keeping that top of mind. I, I love that mindset of it, it's almost like the Amazon Jeff Bezos day one mentality of every game, bring it like it's your inaugural match. Uh, I love yep. that example. Are there are there any other teams that you look to or experiences that you look to specifically that you're maybe trying to encourage your guys to pull inspiration from? I mean, look, I, I, I think um, really for me, what, because soccer is all about uh, the representation of your city, your state, your community. Um, so honestly, like one of the questions I'll go in asking literally everybody that I meet here um, that's it, that's local, even transients and transplants, I'm asking them the question, what is Charlotte? What is it? What is it? What is it? Um, what does it mean to be from here? Uh, what do you want it to mean? You know, I, I think that's an important question. When somebody says Charlotte, what, what do you think they think? What do you want them to think? So for me, again, trying, because a lot of people, when they think about a soccer match, especially your, your, your quote unquote Euro snobs um, here, here in the US. And it's always interesting to me because um, they'll look to an experience in England and they may say, this is what soccer is supposed to look like. My pushback is that's what soccer is supposed to look like in England. And that's their, their representation. You know, having grown up in Italy, like we have saw, we have calcio and that, and it looks and feels a certain way because that's representative of our people, our community. And so I want to make sure that, you know, we're again, going back to, look, we don't have to do things a way that's being done just because we see a top league in England is doing that. You know, so my question is always, what, what is Charlotte? What are the Carolinas? What does it represent so that we can start finding ways to, to create that connection? Are, are there specific topics or constraints that you're getting trying to get them to to challenge on to really pull what's special about Char Charlotte because I, I think a lot for a lot of cities it's easy to say you know high level hey let's find what's special about our city and let's emulate that in the yeah. in the stadium but without the constraints you kind of get this esoteric thing that, that's not really specific so are there specific topics or categories that you're looking to get to to basically uh, bring to life your city in the stadium. So, uh, like, how would I? How I guess is your question? Like, David, I, I, I guess my, I, my question is like food, music. Like, what are yeah, what are yeah, the kind of categories? Precisely, precisely all of that. Hey, for even from the choreography and tifos that we display, from uh, from food, from music, from entertainment. Like, is is this city a DJ town? Like, is it um, what type of music? I mean, what do people want to see? Uh, our tailgate experience, how's that set up? What does that look like? Yeah. And, and even yeah. for how we market, you know, what is that going to look and sound like? What's our language? 
um, all of that is is important. And so making sure that again, when you walk into our bu- building, you, like, you feel it's it's unique to the Carolinas. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I walk into an NBA building, you know, and, and I'm a huge NBA guy, um, but I can walk into a lot of buildings across the country and they all feel the same. You know, it's it's you know your same music, your your same video board template. It's all roughly the same experience. Um, by and large. It, and, and yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a way you can get more specific and, and really dial in like to your point. Um, one, one club I think that does a really good job of this in the MLS specifically is, is the brand new club down in Austin. Uh, I, I think they've done a great job and granted they've got a city that has a lot of unique features to it inherently built in. But even, even when it came down to the way that they deliver customer service, so we helped them kind of design all of their, guest service and training and how they wanted it to feel different. And one of their standards was be Verde. And it was really about calling out and recognizing all the unique personalities that are going to come into the building and kind of acknowledging all those different things and, and having a different way of engaging with different fans. They designed that from the jump because they knew their city is, is unique and different and weird. Yeah. Um, so it's you can go, I think, a lot of different directions with this. I'm excited to see what you and the team come up with. Um, yeah, let, the challenge let, for us is, is it's, um, it's, it's such a uh, – what I, what I hear from everyone is that it's such a city in transition. And, mm. and it's um, a, a city that's growing really, really fast. A lot of transplants. Um, so it's, it's been interesting because the question, what is Charlotte and what does it mean to you? And that answer, um, I can't, it's hard to get an answer, you know? And, and so it that makes, makes it a really, really big challenge. It might be interesting too, for you to talk with all the guys down at, uh, Orlando city and the Orlando magic. Obviously, I mean, that's where I'm from having worked at Disney for a long time. Um, and, and it's, it, there is the challenge there of having a transient city where you're like, how do we make it? So that it's not just an, an away game, every home game where the right. other team's fans are coming in stronger than our own fans. Yeah. Um, but I think Which if, if anybody an opportunity in yeah. terms of bringing fans for us, I mean, that that's also the massive opportunity because um, when you're, when, when you're an NFL fan, like you've been, there's so many diehard NFL fans that are moving into the Carolinas and coming to Charlotte. It's really hard to give that up, you know, to, to support another NFL team or, or an NBA team for us, you know, your soccer's still new in this country. MLS is still new. So you're not going to see a ton of people that have this deep rooted tradition and, and history of, of having a relationship with an MLS club. So I think for us, that's that's really the opportunity to be a unifier of the Carolinas. And, and hopefully, again, we, we don't see a building full of opposing team fans. And look, I lived in, in transient cities and in Houston and, and Phoenix where uh, you would see jerseys just completely outnumbering you know, the home team. And so for us, I, I, I'm hopeful that that's not the case because this is the chance for people that aren't from here, like myself, to to claim stake to a, a team here in your backyard where you're living um, that can bring people together. So for me, that is the hope. Beautiful. Well, let, let's get into some of the nitty gritty here. I, I want to talk about more so the structure internally, maybe from like an org chart perspective, et cetera. Because I, I think if I'm listening to this and I'm an executive at a team, whether it's an athletic department or a pro team, this sounds really cool, a chief fan officer. 
but this is not just a coordinator role. So talk to us a little bit about truly structurally, like who, who are you reporting into? Do you have diagonal lines on the reporting chart? Where do you sit in the organization? Yeah, I, I report directly to our president, Nick Kelly. Um, so again, um, in terms of having that voice or reporting yeah. structure, it goes to the top man uh, here. And, and so making sure Obviously, he hears all of it, and, and, and you know I'm in every meeting. So um, <laughs> with with marketing, with ticket sales, with you name it. So on on that note, right? I mean, important for anybody listening. This is a senior senior level role within the club, and I think it has to be that way if you really are going to be brought into different conversations about when do we do season ticket renewals? What does that process look like? Uh, how do we do we bring in this corporate sponsor or not? Is this going to resonate with our fans? You've got to be at a senior level to be able to influence those decisions and, and be invited into those conversations. Talk to us a little bit about you said you're in a bunch of meetings. When we think about the percentage, are you just hopping around into different meetings? Are you hosting your own meetings that people come into? Maybe talk about some of the recurring meetings that you've got on your calendar. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's certainly a combo of both. So um, yeah, I've, I've set some of my own recurring meetings, um, with, and, and what, do, what, do, what do those look like? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, so things like, um, you know, our, our business intelligence team and, and, and pulling, um, data and, and seeing and hearing what's going on from just a, an analytic standpoint, Hey, what's our demographic or, or, you know, we, we're, we're hosting events all the time. And so understanding who's attending these events, show rate, why, what's response look like, um, what's the set, you know, when I'm meeting with the, the ticket sales team, you know, uh, it's, what are we hearing? What's our largest objections? Our, our business analytics team is able to pull some of that through CRM and, and understanding what they're looking and seeing. So, um, you know, but then again, when, when we've got meetings that aren't recurring, um, whether it's a, a new ticket launch or, you know, whether we've got a major announcement coming up and, and we're kind of regrouping with the department heads from, from each department, um, I'm a part of that. And so I'm getting to hear, listen, and then make, have my input. For me, it's really important though that, you know, every department head is leading. So, you know, it's, it's not, um, I don't see it as my place to, uh, to, to make every decision and to um, drive the bus on every single meeting. Um, but, you know, certainly have my voice and my opinions um, in each one. Yep. Well, let's talk about some of the meetings that you do with fans. I think aspirationally, a lot of teams say, yeah. oh, yeah, we, we'd love to go here with the fans say. But there are never there are rarely any um, designed meetings. They're more so, oh, I got stopped by a fan in the grocery store and they wanted to vent and, and tell me how they think. Talk to me about some of these meetings that you're setting up with fans or events that you're going to. What does the structure of those events look like? How do you go about setting those up? Yeah, so we've got some different buckets uh, of fans in, in terms of how they gauge with us. So like our supporters group uh, with them, I currently meet with them on a biweekly basis. And so that meeting is, is pretty structured. We'll, uh, we're, you know, on the front end, I will come prepared with club announcements um, ideas, learnings. I, I took a, a, a trip out west uh, last week to visit some different venues, um, take notes, see what I liked, what I didn't like, 
Um, and, and, and just, I was, so we had, we had one of our supporter biweekly meetings last night, you know, and, and part of that was me sharing some of my findings and, and where my mind directionally is going and to gauge, uh, uh, gauge their feelings on, um, whether or not they, they like some of my ideas, what their thoughts are, um, and then giving them opportunities to, to have feedback. Um, and so, um, I was also a, able to, uh, on each stop that I had, I actually brought out a, a member of our supporters uh, group with me. Wow. So to, that, that again, building that relationship, um, getting them the opportunity to see some of them uh, may have never been to an MLS match, may have never been to an NHL game. And so getting to sit down with them, get their feedback in live conversation, you know, in the moment with them as well, I thought was really, really helpful. You know, and so these meetings, again, I'll, I'll come prepared with club notes, um, anything that's happened, updates, and then directionally things that I'm leaning towards and giving them the opportunity to obviously be a part of um, that conversation. And then it's a handoff then to them. What do you guys want to hear? Um, what's going on? What events do you have coming up? What support do you need from the club? You know, and, and, and certainly we end every single meeting with action items. So uh, to do from my end, like what do they need me to do? And, and, you know, whether or not I may have some homework assignment for them uh, as well. And so those have been really helpful. Um, and then we've got some monthly meetings as well with, with a group that we call our, our community captains. So these are folks that have raised their hands. They are community leaders, um, both in their respective um, geographic location or their industry spaces that maybe don't necessarily want to be part of a supporters group. Some of them aren't even season ticket members. Uh, maybe they're unable to because you know they live three hours away. But these are folks that want to see this club succeed. And so we meet with them pretty frequently. Um, and then we've, we've got conversations. We've got uh, WhatsApp uh, threads with them where they're literally communicating to us. And I'm like, we see those messages nonstop. We're responding. We're creating conversations on ways that, you know, they, because we don't know what we don't know. And so as a club, you know, you're, you're, you're always limited on resources, whether it's staff, time, money. Yeah. And so what they're, they're doing is, is they're helping us um, when it comes to our blind spots. Are there events that we're missing? Are there opportunities where we can enhance and be somewhere? Um, and so are there nonprofits? Are there, are there causes that we can be a part of? And so they are, from a, from a leadership standpoint, they're going out there in the community and helping us um, be a part of it so that we don't miss. Um, and so that's been really, really helpful as well. When we think about this like kind of internally, I think sometimes when we work with more let's call it traditional sports and entertainment organizations. This tends to happen in the college space a little bit more. Uh, they're really hesitant to share ideas with fans. Like, oh, if we tell a fan that, they're going to leak it. It's going to be on a message board. And we're going to get blowback before we even had a chance to really give that idea a chance. Um, it seems like you guys aren't scared about that. But maybe like just thinking back to last night's meeting, I mean, what was one idea that was shared? Uh, and, and what are the types of ideas and things that are the exchange that's that's going back and forth between you guys? Like, give me some an ex specific example or two. Yeah, well, I'll take a step back and, and I'll say first um, kind of my mindset when it comes to, to having any reservations on, on leaks. You know, again, it all goes back to a relationship. And, and so 
Um, I can't think about all the bad things that, that may happen. Um, it's, it's a relationship. I, you know, again, I equate it to, <laughs> I equate it to marriage, honestly. You know, I, I can't go into it thinking the worst. You know, I, this, we got to be on the same page. And so uh, when it comes to our supporters and having these conversations, you know, it's look, it, this is a privilege. I am, I am giving you some information, um, you know, and, and this relationship is, is, it's special. And it's, and I think they understand that. And so um, I don't go into it um, super concerned. Obviously, you know, like as a front office, like there are things that we can't say. For sure, but you know, I, I try to be as transparent as possible, especially with that group. Um, so when it comes to ideas, I mean, literally building out our, our our match day, I'm having those conversations. Like, hey, what if what if we? Here's something I really liked uh, with Vegas. What if we did that? What if we incorporated a DJ? I know teams aren't doing that. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on on that piece? Hey, I know it's not a soccer thing, but what if we did X, Y, and Z? Um, hey, what if we leaned into this theme a little bit and and had, you know, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but had, you know, <laughs> something in the supporter section that, and, and, you know, they've been really great because I've been open, honest, and I always try to explain my why behind it and, and allow them into my thought process. So it's not just, hey, we want to do this. What do you think? It's, hey, I was here. Here's what my brain was kind of how it was working and, and, and everything was clicking. And I came to this. I think it's beneficial because of X, Y, and Z. What do you guys think? You know, and, and that's been really, really helpful. Um, and, and they've been incredible when it comes to listening, um, providing feedback, and, and really being open um, to being different. And, and again, that was my challenge to them from the start. So I think that you know we've set the tone to try to push boundaries a little bit. I think what you just said was, is so key. It's not just saying, hey, here's a, our plan. Give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You know, This is the way we always phrase stuff with fans is, let's have some dialogue around it. What are the pros? What are the cons? Uh, really having dialogue and not just giving it a positive or negative uh, evaluation. I love that. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit to talking about this supporter to supporter connection that you're trying to foster. I've heard you talk about this before around ultimately, how do we create a, a space where supporters are engaging with each other and building true community as opposed to just having an audience that follows us? How do you, how do you see the difference between community versus audience and fostering these supporter to supporter connections? How are you going about doing that? So we've got a number of different supporter groups. And, and so for me, I mean, it's, it's not just important that I'm communicating with them. And because again, I create some structure and that's happening. Um, but probably if, you know, as important, if not more, is that they're communicating with each other. And right now, early into our tenure, we've got a really positive supporter to supporter relationship. Um, they're, they're included. Uh, not only do we do we speak, you know, biweekly, but we have a we have a thread, we have a, a message thread that we are all in with every single supporters group. So they're they're leaders of their group, myself, and, and we're literally like messaging each other throughout the day, whether it's ideas, issues, challenges, um, thoughts, 
as random as as you want it to be or as um, keyed in on a on a specific subject as you want it to be and so that's really important and then I challenge them um, pretty frequently to not always wait on the club to do things so that they're working together um, on you know whether it's it's creating an event whether it's opportunities for them to go out and practice and so making sure that um, they're having that dialogue with each other and not just waiting for me to to create it but they do a, a really good job of it and, and I've been really impressed um, at how positive that can be because I've seen um, supporters from other teams that are a little bit more fractured you know mm -hmm. from even the location where, where they sit I've seen supporters groups that are literally on opposite ends of a stadium um, which again does does no service because when you look at it from a from an outside of a supporters group perspective when you want to talk about a fan base you know it's not hey this supporters group was incredible it's um the supporters from whatever team you know and, and most people don't even know the names of, of each separate group they're just a collective so if there's fracture and they're not bringing it on match day then they all look bad and when they are bringing it, they all look good. So regardless of if a supporters group has 20 members or a thousand, they're all collectively one unit. So um, we've had those conversations and, and they do a really nice job of speaking to each other um, and they help support each other too. So uh, you know, there's one supporters group that, that'll go out and, and they'll support um, some of the, the USL clubs here, some of the lower division clubs here locally. You know, and, and they'll invite some of the others and, and they do a nice job of showing up um, that they have ties within the community and some nonprofits as well. And they've done a nice job helping each other raise money for those causes and, and cross collaborating. So it's been positive to see. I love it. And I think what you're doing is it honestly helps the marketing team so much because the, the more that the supporters can engage with each other, the more that they're keeping the brand front of mind. And that's time spent that your marketing team doesn't have to engage in, right? Like you're, right. you're kind of creating, you're creating it so that people are always thinking about Charlotte FC and you're not even necessarily doing anything because you've created these interwoven connections amongst the fans. Um, I, I love it and I'm excited to see it come to life uh, here soon. Um, all right, I wanna talk a little bit about KPIs and how you are actually evaluating this. So we mentioned earlier, hey, if you were a CRO, It'd be really easy. You'd have some sales goals. You'd have some sponsorship revenue that you'd have to hit. At the end of the day, I mean, you've probably got some sort of performance review, and I know it's going to evolve, but what are some of those initial KPIs that you're looking at to say, yes, I'm doing a good job as a chief fan officer or not? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a, as a club, we, we collectively stand by uh, a couple. I mean, one for our inaugural match, we want to break the record for the largest – um, MLS match in in league history, so um, we've we've talked about that as 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 a group mm -hmm. internally. We've talked about it externally. So um, again, my role here involves you know, every department. So um, that's a big one. You know, we want to um, average thirty thousand fans a game, and so again, part of creating that that culture um, and, and having a really great experience. You know, that's going to lend to you know what our our attendance looks like, and you know something that you know I don't directly influence is is what we want to do on the pitch, um, but it all matters. So 
you know, for us, it's, it's hosting a home playoff game as well in year one. So um, as an organization, we planted our flag on those three major goals. So, you know, for me, falling, falling short on any of those, um, you know, means I've missed somewhere as well. Are you guys going to be running surveys and focusing on kind of net promoter scores or customer experience scores or anything like that? How, how are you thinking about it from that perspective? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a lot of that as well. Um, you know, and, and some of that has been done um, prior to me getting here and, and, you know, making sure that data is in our CRM system and, um, and that it's extrapolated in a way that I can see and, and read easy. Um, and, and so, you know, that stuff's, that stuff is important. That stuff is one of many things that we're doing on top of me having conversations and the, the DMs, the Twitter, the phone calls, all of that. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's, we've got about 10 minutes here. Let's talk a little bit about leadership. Um, obviously you're in a unique position where, uh, do you have any direct reports by the way? I do. I do have one direct report. Um, so at the moment I've got one direct and then again, working, working okay. cross collaboratively with everyone. Well, else. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? You're leading a bunch of different groups, even if not from a, a straight line on the org chart, you're, you're kind of having to rally troops, both fans and internal stakeholders that are working for the organization. So let's talk a little bit about your leadership style. Right before we jumped on, you said, I know we're going to talk a little bit about leadership. I've got some hot takes. Uh, let, let's start there. I mean, what were you about to jump into and say, hey, I, I do leadership a little bit differently? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I've, I've led um, sales departments and, um, you know, for me, uh, I've always really uh, keyed in on, on the human element first uh, above KPIs, you know, and, and for me, I think um, Obviously, KPIs are important. Obviously, revenue targets, all of it's important. They're clearly defined. I believe in having goals that are clearly defined and that everybody understands their roles. But you know, if, if you're not connected with the people that will get you there, um, then it's going to be really, really hard. And so for me, it's, it's all about – I say this with our fans. like It, it truly is about a relationship. And, and so – you know, that's just as important from club to fan as it is um, from leader to, to staff, you know, regardless of where the lines are, are directed. So for me, I mean, that's always been um, my focus, um, you know, and, and making sure as a leader that I'm not, not only am, am I making sure that there aren't roadblocks, but that I am actively thinking about myself and in, in, in the sense that I am not one of those roadblocks. So uh, I'm a big believer in making sure that I hire really great people and that I allow them to do their jobs, but I have to proactively be cognizant um, that I am not one of those roadblocks that's getting in the way from them doing their jobs. How, how do you go about assessing whether you are one of those roadblocks or not? Because I think a lot it's, of times it's asking honestly, and and again, it's um, it's it's easy just to ask a question and, and then um, maybe not get a real answer. But it it all goes back to relationship, and I know it's it's corny, it's easy to say, but that's the that's literally the everyday dynamic. So for me, cult, culture, you know, everybody wants to talk about culture, and um, when they talk about culture, they may you know. There, there's fun tchotchke things that you can do and there's, you know, you can ring the bell, you can have contests and you can talk about, um, 
you know, fun things that you're doing that you want to post on LinkedIn. Um, but that's not the everyday stuff. And, and, and some of that stuff is, is, is important and, and it's fun and it can help with um, team building and team morale. But, you know, if you've got a really crappy culture and you don't care about your people and, and um, the day-to-day is difficult and challenging, that stuff's not going to help. So for me, it's, it's honestly, it really is about relationships. It's about having real conversations. It's, um, I talk about being transparent with my supporters, you know, I mean, more transparent with, with, with the teams that I've managed and making sure that they understand uh, where I'm coming from, why we're making certain decisions, what's going on in my life, and, you know, and, and just being human, you know, so that I can have honest conversations, you know, Am I being a roadblock? What's getting in your way? How can I help? Um, and making sure that I follow through, um, you know, when they're sharing information and asking me for things that, that I am that resource. So I think that's that's something that we so often um, as leaders forget is we're so keyed in on goals and how do we get there and, and you know, how do we achieve these numbers? And um, we forget that, it, you know, the only way we're going to get there is is with people. And so if we're not taking care of those people and, and keeping them top of mind, and look, if we miss a goal, we miss a goal as, as long as um, collectively, like we've all done what we, what we can do. And I think it's about knowing when to press certain buttons. I think uh, this industry is tough, you know, and, and, and we've got long seasons, um, some longer than others, but they're long, you know, it's it's not a traditional nine to five, Monday through Friday. And so I think a challenge I see around the industry is, is leaders always pressing go, go, go. And that's just not physically possible. So you see a, a lot of burnouts, um, you know, nobody's glued to the computer 12 hours a day, like literally producing nonstop. And so, it is my job as a leader to make sure that um, I'm keeping people sane, that I'm providing opportunities for those breaks. Like we used to play, I used to have my staff play FIFA midday, you know, and, and, and for me, like, I don't know, maybe I was the one um, disrupting their day, you know, as, as the leader. <laughs> um, but, you know, it'd be like, let's, yo, let's play some FIFA. Like what you guys have been making phone calls all day. Like that's just, you get exhausted. And so as a leader, I want to make sure to be the one that tells them it's okay uh, to take a break and, and to recharge those batteries a little bit. And I need to be smart about when I want to press those buttons because there's a shelf life if you continue pressing and running. Yeah, you, you can't completely always have the pedal to the floor. Like that, that just can't be what happens. You're going to burn your people out. And to your point, I mean, if your Twitter feed looks anything like mine, it is just filled with guys and girls our age right now being like, deuces, I'm leaving sports. I'm going to take a job at a printing company or something yeah. crazy that you're like, that would have never happened 15 years ago. Right. But I think, I think it's to the point right now where teams are just demanding so much content, so much output, but we haven't reinvested back we haven't reinvested the growth and revenues back into our people and into our cultures. Yeah, and the uh, other at least in the sports space. We feel like we're, we're competing um, with other sports teams for talent. And so it's like, hey, here's the salaries in sports or here's the culture across sports. But we're not losing great talent to other sports teams. We're losing them to technology, 
um, you know, every other industry in the books. Like, so for me, it's why are, why are we looking at one another and, and, and keeping ourselves like down here when we need to be looking at what some of the best companies around the world are doing and, and making sure that we push ourselves to, to create a culture that keeps that talent. No question. And, and hopefully, right, that's what we're doing with this podcast, where sometimes we have leaders in sport like yourself that come on. But a lot of times we're bringing in leaders from outside the industry to showcase what are their best practices and customer experience or employee experience. And then let's apply those things to sport. Because, again, sometimes we just look so insular and we just look at you're right. We look at the other teams. We say, what are they doing? And we completely ignore that that's not our only option for our yeah. employees or for our fans. Our fans yep. can spend their dollars other places as well. So, um, well, this has been great. Uh, I've loved having you on. Uh, any final pieces of advice for our audience, specifically within the context of if they're trying, if, if uh, a senior leader at a sports entertainment organization is really trying to engage deeper with their fans, maybe they're considering putting in somebody whose full-time job it is to look out and be the voice for the fans. What advice would you give these senior leaders? Yeah, I mean, one, it, it's got to be a, a full-time job, a full-time investment. You've, you've got to get somebody that understands the business side, but also, again, truly understands that sport, the connection with the fans. And then you, you've got to give them authority. You've got to give them um, a voice that matters. Otherwise, fans are going to see through it pretty quickly. You know, otherwise, you're, you're, just a, you're just a supporter liaison, and those positions exist. So um, I, I think it's really... Um, giving the, the person um, the ability to, to empower him or herself to make decisions. So I think that's really key. Beautiful. Uh, Sean, it has been great having you on the show. Uh, really looking forward to our next conversation and best of luck in the coming months. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on. I look forward to the next one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all soon. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, Visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.